says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. We all have something that God has called us to do with our lives. Amen? Y'all with me this morning? God's called each one of us specifically to do something. But the catch is we've all only got so many hours in a day, so many hours in a week, and so many months out of the year to figure out what that is and to find a way to effectively get our lives in a place where we can do what God has called us to do. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where, you might be here this morning, and when I say God's plan for your life, I might as well be speaking Swahili, like you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I get that because I went through a lot of my life not knowing what that was either. Like I didn't know what God wanted me to do. I didn't know what God's plan was for my life. Um, But I figured out that one day at a time, searching after him, spending time in the Word, spending time in His presence, that I was able to get there one step at a time. It's not like God will always open up the floodgates of heaven and like the this dove will come down and He'll highlight you out of a crowd and say, you right there, I have called you to do this specific task. 99 times out of 100, that calling and that knowing of what God wants you to do comes out of your relationship with Him. All right, that one's free. Y'all can just take that one for free this morning. Uh, I spent a lot of my life trying to figure out what that was. And once we figure out what it is, though, it's like all of, like every moving part of the world in different seasons of your life seem to be working against that to keep it from happening. Have you ever felt like you were just literally fighting against almost the entire universe itself to be able to carve out the time to do what you felt like God had called you to do? You ever been there? Yeah, that's just where we are. Um, My goal this morning is this. I I don't want to preach so much as, and I I may, you never know, but I don't want to preach so much as teach, okay? Because I think we've all been in seasons in our life, and probably most of us right now are in seasons in our lives where we feel like we're just kind kind of spread a little thin. And like everybody wants a piece of us, everybody wants a piece of our time, and we feel like we're constantly giving ourselves away. But when the time comes for us to do what we know we want to do, there's not a lot, a lot, there's just not a lot left for us to put together to make something happen. You ever felt that way? Yeah, a lot of people feel like that. Um, and I don't want to preach at you this morning. I think that there's a way to take biblical truth and to take what's happening in our lives and connect them together in a way that's practical and in a way that makes sense. And so what I want to do this morning is walk you through just a really simple principle in Scripture, a really simple concept that hopefully will bring peace to a lot of our lives this morning. And I want to give you some tools that will help you be able to take back your life so that you feel like you've got more control over what happens you feel like you've got more say over what, what goes on in your life so that you can put yourself in a place or a position to do what God has called you to do with minimal distraction and minimal interruption. How does that sound? Good. Sound good? Um, I was talking to a guy, and uh, this guy was, he's a real successful businessman, and uh, I was talking to him. He wanted, 
wanted to meet with me. This is a while back. And uh, he said, look, I just want to meet with you and talk to you about some stuff. I said, yeah, man, sure. Let's, let's get some coffee. Let's talk. Let's see what's going on. And he said, man, I just, I feel like I'm all over the place. I feel like everybody wants a piece of me. I feel like I'm constantly pouring myself out into things. And I feel like I'm just, I'm, like I'm busy and accomplishing, I, I guess, a lot of things. But on the inside, I feel like I'm just on this merry-go-round of never-ending busyness. And while I'm accomplishing a lot of tasks, I don't feel like personally I'm accomplishing with my life anything that's worthwhile. I don't feel like I'm, I'm able to, to step into like my calling. I don't feel like I'm able to be successful in my family. Because like, I'll, I'll go through like, you know, a five or six week stretch at work where I'm just I'm killing it at work. And I'm handling projects, and I'm just the go-to guy. Like, my supervisor's like, hey, can you handle this? And I say, yeah, I'll get it. I'll make it happen. And nothing, like a ball never drops in my neighborhood. I take care of business. When other people mess up, they give me the work they mess up on, and I take care of it. I'm the go-to person. And I'm working there, and a lot of times there's not enough time to get stuff done at work, so I'll bring projects home, and I just spend just a little bit of time on the project stuff at home. But then give it a couple of four or five weeks, and my wife's tapping me on the shoulder, and she goes, hey, buddy, be nice to have you here when you're here at home. Like, you're here, but you're always on your phone at dinner. You're always sneaking off into the study and and working on little projects, and you're neglecting the kids. You're not helping with the homework. I'm having to handle like double duty around here because I'm I'm taking care of everything in the house and I feel like I don't have my husband and the kids don't have their father. We need to change that. So I said, yeah, no problem at all. This guy says, yes, ma'am, we're going to fix it. So for the next four or five weeks, he is Mr. Dad. So he finishes work at work, handles the stuff, gets home, and he's there at the house. He's helping with the dishes. He's taking care of the homework, spending time with the kids. No phone at the dinner table. You know, he's, he's cuddling up on the couch and watching a show with his wife. She falls asleep 15 minutes into it, and he's just left there, but it means something to her. So he's doing, he's doing everything that he can do to be present, you know, for his family. And then a couple of weeks later, his boss comes in and goes, Hey, man, what's happening? Where's my go-to guy? Where's the guy that was killing it? Who's just taking care of all this? And you feel, I feel like I'm caught in this constant flux where if I give 100% here, something else is slacking over here and something else. And, then, and he goes, you know what the worst part about the whole thing is, man? And I'm like, what's the worst part about the whole thing? Tell me. He goes, you know I love Jesus, right? I'm like, yeah, man, I know, you, I know you love the Lord. He goes, I, I feel like I'm having to pour out into all these different areas and I... I can't have my relationship with God like I want to have it. Like, literally, I go through times where my entire spiritual walk, my entire time, my entire relationship with God is just in the car to and from work. Like a 30-minute, 40-minute, and in Atlanta traffic, an hour and 45-minute drive back and forth. Um, That's the only time that I get, and I feel like I'm not able to have my time with God like I want. You can forget about reading the Bible you know, I listen to the audio stuff, but I just, I'm not able to get a rhythm spiritually like I want to have in my life. And, and what's crazy is, 
It, the reason why I'm not able to go to church as much as I want to is because there's not enough time because I feel like I, I drop so much time at work and, and I spend so much time handling all these other responsibilities that I'm neglecting my family. So it's like literally the only time that I ever get to spend with my family or sometimes in the evenings and on the weekends and instead of going to church on Sundays, a lot of times we're just having family time so that I can have time with my family. And a lot of times we're not there on Wednesdays or we don't, and, and we're, because we're having to spend time, you know, we use that time for time with our family because I don't see them any other time because there's just not enough time to get to the things that I want to do. And I finally had to tell the guy that I was working, I was working under in ministry because he used to be involved in ministry and he had to step down. He's like, man, I had to just tell him it, it was like I'll be there every other week and then it turned into I can commit to serve once a month. And now I just tell him, man, forget it. There's just no way. There's just no way, and I feel horrible about it because I feel like there's not enough of me to give out to all the things that I need to do and that I want to do and I'm committed to do, and it's just killing me because I, I, don't, I don't know how to make things happen the way that they need to happen in my life. And I thought, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to process. Um. But I think if we, wanna, if we were to pause for a second and I was to personally sit down and talk to pretty much everybody in here, how many of you would say that in one way or another that would be your life right now? There are things that I would like to do, but there's just not enough time for me to get to them. And I get it. There have been times in my life where I could be the guy telling the story. <laughs> I could be the guy saying... I'm blowing it. I'm, I'm failing right now because I feel like I'm a failure because I'm not able to get to the things that I really want to do in life. And I think a lot of us feel that pressure and a lot of us feel that, that struggle and a lot of us feel that conflict with all the things that we want to do. And then we read scriptures like Ephesians 5 that say, be wise about your life, you know, and, and, and don't, don't jack up the moments that you have. Let's make sure we know what God's calling on our life is and go for it. And we're like, okay, that's great. How am I going to make that work while I'm looking at somebody's bumper at 6.30 and I've been sitting there for the last 45 minutes trying to go 10 more feet to get home? That's where a lot of people live. Um, how can I get more time? How can I get more time? And I'll, I'll share with you this morning what I shared with this guy. And when I first say this to you, you're going to kind of huff and you're going to, kind of, you're going to go, yeah, okay, sure. The problem is this. We don't have a time management problem when it comes to our lives. We don't have it. People don't have a time management problem. What we have is a priority issue in our lives. Okay? Priority issue. Time's not the problem. Time is fixed. Time is set. Time is never going to change. People are always going to have the same 24 hours in every day. We're all going to always have the same 168 hours every week. That's never going to change. That clock is ticking right now. You can't manage that. You can't stop that. You can't stretch that. You can't get more time. But we can choose what we do with the time that we have. And that's where the freedom comes in. Now, I know a lot of you are sitting right there, and you're looking at me, and you're going, yeah, I got priorities, dude. That's not the issue. Probably it is. Because um, I found, and it I, even with me personally, I find myself doing this, and sometimes I catch myself doing this, where I have what's called kind of like an, an intellectual priority 
something that I agree with in principle. Like, I agree with the philosophy of that being a priority in my life, but practically, there's a gap there. So I might agree with it, but it's not actually playing out in my life. Are you following my train of thought right now? So stop and think about it. Like, what would you call, let's just pick maybe like the top four priorities in your life right now. What would you call the top four priorities in your life? Just take a second, write it down if you want to, type it in the notes on your phone if you want to. What would you call the top three or four priorities in your life? And we're in church, so the first one's got to be God, right? The first one should be God anyway. But a lot of people try to church up their answers when they're in church and say the right things instead of the actual things. But um, God should be there. What's another one that would be a top priority? Somebody says school education. I think I would say family would be right up in there. Time with God, my family. Um, career would be a huge priority because without that, you're not going to be able to take care of your family or anything else. So that would be there. Um, it'd be nice to have some me time, some personal time, some time to rest. R-E-S-T. Some of y'all have not known that four-letter word in your life for a long time. How many of you say, I would love to have a little bit of rest of my life right now? That'd be an awesome priority to have. I'd like to be able to go on vacation. I'd like to be able to do some fun stuff. You know, these big priorities we think about. But when you think about that and look at what actually happens in your life, are those things that you would say would be priorities in your life actually playing out every week as something that you give the time that you feel like you need to give to every week? Probably 90, 95% of us in here, if we're honest, we're going to say no. Because intellectually, we agree with it. But when it comes to practically making these things priorities in our lives, it doesn't happen. Now, I do the same thing, too. I do the same thing, too, sometimes, and i got to catch myself. Uh, if you want to know what your priorities really are, look at a couple of things. Every time, these two things are always going to tell you what your priorities are. Not what you think they should be, but what they are. Your calendar and your bank account. Every time. Every time. Every time. So we can say we want to have time with our family, but when we look at our calendar, if there's no time there for family, it's an intellectual priority. It's like a wish list of things that we would like to do, but practically it's not there. And what we spend money on, that'll tell you every time. If you want to set a priority of being healthy and eating better, we can look at that bank account and we can see Organic food bought or Whole Foods, you know, all that stuff. Or we can see Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, 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 Chick-fil-A. Christian chicken's good, isn't it? Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. It'll tell on you every time, every time. So if you're wondering what they are, check out those two areas. It'll tell you every time. Because we have a way of lying to ourselves and making ourselves think that we've got things on the good when really stuff in our life is jacked up and we need to give some attention to it. Okay? You can't dodge responsibility for your own life and then cover it with a wish list of things you want, would hope one day would happen and then dump that on God and say, God, I pray that one day this happens. And God says, okay, I've given you all the tools you need to make it happen. The choice is yours. Let's make it happen. So where a lot of us live in our lives, a lot of times, it, it, the, the crazy thing is that you don't get more time to do the things, you don't get more time for something because you want more time. You don't get more time because you want more time. You get more time because you make it a priority. 
every time. All right? Now, this is pretty simple so far, right? It's pretty simple so far. This is probably not groundbreaking information. This is why I wanted to spend a lot of time on this and teach us through this this morning because a lot of us want more time for stuff, but where those dots are after that word too on that screen, that's where the catch is. We want it, but it's not there because we have to make it a priority. If you look at, let, let's spend some time on this. So if you look at um, somebody who wants to be an Olympic athlete, okay, somebody who wants to be an, an Olympic athlete, that's their goal, that's what they want to do, that's the vision for their life. They're going to have to make a lot of trade offs in their lives in order to make that happen, right? A lot of times, if you want to be an Olympic level athlete, you can't even live in your house anymore. Like, you got to pack your bags, you got to go move in at a dorm on a training facility and make that trade-off in your life. Isolate yourself so all you do is eat, sleep, and train. That's it. Eat, sleep, train. Eat, sleep, train. Eight, nine, ten hours a day you're training. That's the trade-off you make in order to accomplish that goal in your life. You can't eat the stuff that everybody else eats. You can't go go do all the things that a lot of your friends go and do. You have to make that trade-off. Athletes have to pay a price to get the results that they want. Amen? How many of y'all are married this morning? Hopefully, at the end of the day, you'll be married too. But You're married right now. So a lot of us are married right now. It works the same way in marriage too. When you got married, um, you probably stood in front of a, a pastor or a preacher, or some of us, we, we stood in front of a judge. But you probably, st- you probably said something along these lines, though. You, uh, you, you made promises to the person that you were married going to marry, and he did it in the form of a vow. I promise to love you for the rest of my life, to have and to hold, cherish and honor, you know, good times, bad, sickness and health, until death do we part. We said those vows, but those are promises that we're making to that person. Amen? Promises that we're making. Those are goals that we're setting. All right? Now, the power of the vows that you make to the person that you're married to, the power isn't in you making that commitment to them. It's not there. The power and the vows that you're making to that person that you're marrying are in your ability to manage that decision all the way through the, the life of your marriage. How many of you know somebody who's made those promises to somebody, but they're divorced right now? Yeah. Divorce right now. Because making the promise, making the commitment, making the decision isn't enough. In fact, there's a process that you go through to to land on this. You make a decision on what's important. That's the first thing that you do, okay? And the second thing is you manage your decision. And if you successfully manage what you decide to do, then you'll reap the benefit from it every time. Every time. So if you make the decision to be faithful to your spouse, and you manage that through the process and the course of your marriage successfully, then you're going to reap the benefit of a good marriage. Now, if you sit on the couch and you let her do all the work, mm -mm, you're not managing that process really good. I guarantee you there's going to be some friction in that marriage before too much longer. Um, If you're selfish in marriage and you're not putting your spouse first, but you're always making making them tend to you, making them got conform their whole life around you, you're just selfish, that's not going to work, man, because the marriage is out of balance. You're not managing it properly. It works every way. In, in, in every area of life, you make a decision on what's important, 
That's great, but that's not where the power is. The power is in our ability to manage that decision after we've made it. Are you with me so far? It's not overly complicated, but this is powerful if you will get it and put it to work in your life. Because how many of us have had services where we come up to the altar and we make a decision to lay something down in our relationship with God and we say, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to commit that sin again. I'm never going to fail in that area again. I'm never going to lose my temper again. God, I promise I'm never going to get out of the car on 285 and beat somebody half to death because I'm never going to do that again, God. I give all that road rage over to you right now. But how many of us have had struggles after we've made the decisions to give something up or to make a change in your life spiritually? Same thing. Well, because the power is not in the decision. Decisions determine what? destinies decisions do determine your destinies but if you can't follow through on your decision practically by managing your choices after you make that decision it's not going to you're not going to go anywhere you're not going to accomplish anything you're not going to make it happen so if you sit down in your doctor's office and the doctor says hey bro look uh you're under way too much stress right now we're going to have to change some stuff uh you're going to have to start exercising you're going to have to start eating better. You're going to have to figure out a way to carve out some time in your schedule for you to just disconnect and rest. All of these things to lower your stress level, to lower your cholesterol, to lower your blood pressure so we can get you in a place where you're healthy. The goal is to be healthy, so we're making a decision for better health. How many of you know you've got to manage that decision, though, every time you sit down at a table when you're out at a restaurant? Every time. Every time. See, it makes sense in settings like that. But when you look at life goals and our bigger priorities in life, nothing's really different. We have to manage the decisions that we make. Y'all still with me? All right. Now, Jesus, in my mind, is like the, he's like the ultimate example of all of this. He is the perfect example of how to do this in your life. Because Jesus had two big goals for his life. One, he wanted to glorify the Father in everything that he did. And two, he wanted to make sure that he was able to do God's will. He wanted to do God's will, the Father's will. So he wanted to bring glory to the Father, and he wanted to make sure that he was in step doing God's will. And you look through Scripture, and you see these goals coming out of Jesus' mouth all of the time. Like in in the uh, the book of Luke and in the book of John, just for some examples, in Luke chapter 2, Jesus says, I've got to be about my Father's business. I've got to be doing what God has called me to do. John chapter 12, he said, I say what the Father says. John chapter 5, I do what the Father does. If you look at me, I want you to be able to see a perfect picture of the Father because I want to bring glory to him, and I want to make sure that I'm accomplishing his will. So I'm going to be about my Father's business. I'm going to say what the Father says. I want to do what the Father does. Man, those are great goals for your life. How many of y'all would want that goal, those set of goals right there for your life? If you look at me, I'm going to be about what God's called me to do. I'm going to be about his business. When I say something, it's going to be the very words that the Father wanted me to say. And when I do something, it's going to be the very thing that God called me to do in that moment, what he wants me to do with my life. A lot of us would say that, but we think of Jesus as kind of an abstract character in the Bible. You realize Jesus faced pressure in his life. Jesus faced struggles in his life. Jesus had to make choices to manage the goals and the decisions and the vision that he had for his life to bring glory to the Father and to accomplish God's will for his life. 
He had to do that. And you see that in Luke chapter 4. Here's a real good example of that. Uh, If you guys will put that scripture up on the screen, Luke 4. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. But he said, I I can't. I, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that's why I was sent. He comes back to his mission every time. I've got to go do this because that's why I was sent. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This group of people had a plan and an agenda for Jesus' life. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like everybody had an agenda for your life except for you? Like everybody had plans for what they wanted you to do? Boy, we got plans for you around here. Just you wait. Like business has got plans. Lady, we got plans for you around here. That's great. But God's got plans and callings on our lives, too. Jesus was the king of protecting this. Do you think Jesus didn't have pressure on him? You know how many people wanted to just steal fame from Jesus? Why don't you come to my house and hang out with me? Why don't you come have dinner with me? Come have dinner with me. Because they knew if they could get Jesus to come to their house, then bam, they're on the map. They're on the map because Jesus was a man there for a little while. Come to my house and eat. Come to my house and eat. No. How many, how many people in government tried to leverage and control him? How many times did you see Jesus go toe-to-toe with the religious leaders in Scripture because he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do? He wasn't fitting into the mold that they had for his life, and he wasn't bowing to outside pressure and outside agenda. Jesus was living the mission of his life and making sure that he was managing the priorities and the goals that he had set. Even though he had outside pressure and outside agendas and outside influences trying to control him and fit him into a box, Jesus was always the guy who was escaping that to accomplish what God had called him to do. Every time. And listen to this. You would think that as a son of God, you would have a lot of stuff to do, right? There's a lot of stuff on that checklist you've got to take care of. Before your time's up, there's always going to be somebody to heal. There's always going to be somebody to take care of. You know, the disciples tried to control Jesus, I don't know how many times, when he would say, look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to have to be crucified. I'm going to die. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's not the deal. We're going to do something different. And then Jesus is like, no, that's not how it's going to go. I've got to accomplish this. If, If the disciples had had their way with what Jesus was doing, we never would have seen what Jesus could have done with a few loaves of bread and some fish. Because they were telling him, send the crowd away. Go, get them out of here. And Jesus was like, no, that's not the deal. That's not the plan. The Father wants us to do something different here. Jesus was constantly pushing that stuff back. But there was always somebody to heal. There was always something to do. So on the last week of Jesus' life, with the eternity of the entire world hanging in the balance on what he said and what he did, the last week before he was crucified, you know what Jesus did? He checked out and took a day off and he rested on the Sabbath. Insane. Jesus, the Savior of the world, took days off to rest and recoup. And he did it, one, to be obedient to the law so that he could say he fulfilled it perfectly. But he also did it to take care of himself. Now, I bet you not one person in here could say that you're busier than Jesus was. You might feel like it, but I bet you nobody in here could say you're busier than Jesus was. And he still found a way to take time off. That's, that's amazing to me. He was the king of getting things done. When, 
this, uh, this, this, this guy came to him and asked him a question. He said, look, Rabbi, tell me, tell me what you think the greatest commandments are. When the guy was doing that, he was literally asking Jesus. It's kind of an interview because when people would come up and ask rabbis in those days what um, they thought the greatest commands were, they were asking them what's most important to you. What are your, like literally, what in the law would you consider to be a perfect life mission? Because they're trying to decide whether or not to follow that rabbi's teaching. Jesus looked at him and he said, "Um, how about this? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the second one's like it, love the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Just like that. When you look at Jesus' life, everything he did revolved around what he said the mission of his life was. Everything he did. Now, it's quiet in here, and I'm hoping it's because you're processing what I'm saying and not because you've checked out. Now, think about this. We don't put on the brakes, and we don't stop about, we don't stop to think about these aspects of our lives, because the culture in America right now is go, 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 and do, 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 do. And if you want to be cool, you better have a whole lot to do. Because if you don't have a whole lot to do, that means it's, you, you just, you're not in with it. You don't have, you're not in with what's happening. Because if you don't have a lot to do, you must not be important, because important people are busy all the time. And that's the image that we like to put on in America right now. Is go and do. Go, go, go. Go, go, go. I'm going to work a 1,000 hours a week. And I get that you got to work. You know, you, you got to do that. But that's not the lifestyle that we're called to live in Scripture. Okay? Is it okay if we dabble in this a little bit? All right, I'm going to be a pastor this morning. Okay? Pastor every day, but I'm going to be your pastor. Okay? Uh, most, most pastors don't have... I'll, I'll say the, the unction to get up and look people who operate in this culture many times and find themselves trapped in it and get up here and work through this and process through this so that we can get down to the heart of it, okay? We're stressed out and we're frayed out and we're, we're, we feel like we're all over the place because we are not able to practically work out what we call priorities in our lives. And we will never be in a place individually and we won't be in a place of the church if we don't figure out how to make that happen. Amen? You'll never be able to accomplish God's call in your life if we're not able to make that happen. I've asked the ushers to help me with a little illustration, so if y'all will, please go ahead and uh, let's get the stuff ready. We've got a little table and some things up here on the front seat by my beautiful wife that I want to bring up here to help kind of drive this in because to hear somebody say it is one thing, but I want to work this out in a little illustration so that we can just hammer home this, this principle and handle home this, hammer home this concept so that we get it this morning. Okay, y'all still with me? Um, how many of y'all? How many of y'all have ever read the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Stephen Covey wrote that book. It's a great book. It's a, it's an awesome book. A lot of great stuff in it. Um, to my knowledge, I don't think Stephen Covey was a Christian. Um, but, but you can't, you listen, just because somebody, uh, somebody's got good information, you can still take the good information and put it to work in your life. Amen. Eat the watermelon, spit out the seeds kind of thing. Amen. All right. Now for this illustration, I need a very specific person to do this. Okay. I need someone who, no, not you, bro. I need, well, it might be you. I don't know. I need somebody to help me with this though. Um, who, uh, first of all, you love the Lord, okay? And you want to accomplish God's calling for your life. 
Secondly, um, you got to feel like what we're talking about right now kind of is is in your wheelhouse. This is your life right now. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, it's probably all of us in here. If it's not all of us today, it'll probably be all of us at some point this week. We're going to feel like this. All right. Um, so you love the Lord. This is kind of impacting you so far today. Um, I want somebody who has a family. So you've got to have some children. Um, you don't necessarily have to be married, but you've got to have some children. All right. Um, and I'm looking for somebody who works a job, too. So you love the Lord. This is kind of impacting you so far this morning. You can relate to this totally with your life. Uh, you got some kids, and you're working a job. So I need somebody like that. Can I see anybody who wants to volunteer and come up here and help me with this illustration? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just need somebody to help me out. All right, here comes Mr. Scott. Y'all give Scott a hand. <clears throat> All right, Mr. Scott. Urgh. That's a big, bad lid on that thing. Now, I've got a bunch of rocks here, and the reason why I mentioned Stephen Covey is because he did this illustration in a lot, of, um, a lot of the speaking engagements that he had, and it was just a powerful illustration that went along with this biblical principle, so I wanted to share it with you this morning. Each one of these rocks has something written on it, like this one is just big, it's a, it says job and career. These are things that take up a huge amount of our lives, and these are things that are actually important priorities that we should have in our lives in order to accomplish the things, the goals, the greater vision of our life. There's a lot of different things written on these rocks, okay? Now, this container right here, Scott, is going to represent your normal week. You've got 168 hours represented in this container. That's all the time you got. Because we can't get more time, can we? No way, you can't get more time. Time is set, you're never going to get more time. So that's all the time you got. Let me ask you some questions. Um, you ever have to go grocery shopping? Yeah, you got to go grocery shopping. Um, do you ever find yourself having to take the kids back and forth to stuff that they do? Practices, hangouts, movies, stuff like that. Not so much anymore. Did you at one point? At one point. So do you guys have laundry and stuff you got to do around the house? You don't. But, well, I'm saying you guys. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's laundry and stuff that has to be done. Grocery shopping that's got to be done. So all this stuff starts to come into your work week and, and begins to fill it up because we've all got to do that stuff. We've all got to do laundry because if you don't do laundry, then you're either going to be walking around stanking because you've got dirty underwear or you're going to be going around commando. Neither one's a good option for going out in public. All right? So... We got stuff we got to handle. Um, does does anybody ever you ever get an unexpected phone call from somebody and you find yourself having to be on the phone for a little bit of time and you weren't expecting it? Constantly, Constantly. yeah. Uh, you ever you on Facebook a lot? No, no. Uh, I'm on Facebook a lot. And people that can't get me, like, on the phone, they're always hitting me up on Facebook Messenger, you know, with little messages and things, and all these things come in. And these are just the little details and the little things that that come in. Like, you ever had somebody um, just have an emergency pop-up that you just had to go and walk them through, like a family issue, family drama, family stuff? Yeah, all those little things that come up. So all those little things begin to come in and fill up just stuff in in your normal week and none of those things that happen though are your big priorities laundry is something you got to do but laundry is probably not a life priority for you right 
Nah, like if I could never do laundry again, that'd be awesome. That'd be so awesome with me. So here's the deal. You've got 168 hours in this week, and you've got all the other things, the distractions and the stuff that already have take up uh, the majority of the time that's in there. So what you've got to do now is figure out what's most important to go in first and then figure out a way to cram all these other things that are in this bowl represented on these rocks into the rest of your week. Go ahead and try it. <laughs> yeah. Scott's churching it up, so he put uh, time with God in there first, which is awesome, and it should be first. That's it right there. So, all right, you've got time with God, and it's in there because this is right here, the top of this little container, that's all your week. So what you put in here cannot go over the top of this container. So it's going to be a little tricky. I get that. So you've got time with God. All right, so what's the next big thing that's got to go into your week? Family and career a lot. A lot of people do. Okay. So you're going to put time with family. See, we're already messing up, though, because you're over the top. We've got to fix that. We've got time with God and family. Okay. So we've got to fix that. So how, how are we going to fix that? What can you do to get time with God and time with your family into your week? No idea. See, but now he's praying and he's hanging out with his family, but they're going to be hungry and homeless because he's not working. All right? So, so you got to put work in there, right? you got to put career in there because that, that eats up a lot of the time that you have during the week, right? So let's take out time with God. Let's take out time with the family. And then let's put in job and career because you got to have that. And you can wiggle it around a little bit if you want to. We can We can cheat a little bit and... Move that. So we're able to get job and career in there. Job and career with all the other things. Now, what else can you fit in there? Go to church. <laughs> Go to church. So that works. So we're working. <laughs> See if you can figure out a way to cram that in there. So in this scenario, he'd be working, and he'd be going to church, but he wouldn't have personal time for his relationship with God. But he's going to church, but it's not a personal thing that you can fit in yet with what you've got going on on a weekly basis. So you've got work and you've got church. Okay, what up? we got a little bit of room to fit in something. What else can we do? Hobby and fun. Let's try to cram that in there. Boom. See, we've almost been able to get this. I guess if you wiggle it a little bit, we might be able to find some room to get in there. So you got your job and your career, so you go to church, and then you got some time to to have some hobbies and some fun. Um, so we've got that crammed in there with everything else. Now, this lifestyle right here represents probably about 80% of people that go to church in America right now, where you're in church, you got your job, and you've got time for yourself to have some fun and have some hobbies, but you don't have a solid relationship with God because there's not time, and you're not involved in ministry. In this scenario, you're not involved in ministry anywhere. Why not? 
there's, there's not enough time. There's not enough room to make it happen. Have y'all ever felt like that in your life? You ever felt like that in your life? Where you were going to work and you are going to church, you got that down, and you're able to carve out some time for yourself, but you're not able to get involved in church. Let me ask you a question. Can you, can you legitimately fulfill God's call in your life separated from God's church on this earth? So how are we accomplishing what God wants us to do if we're not involved in a church somewhere using our gifts and refining the talents that God has given us? See what I mean? See what I mean? So what are we missing out on right now? So we've got this. Right now we're, we're not making disciples. We don't have time with God personally. Um, while we got recreation time, we don't have t- room in there right now for rest or just personal recoup time. Can I get an amen from all the moms? Yeah, we know what that's like. Um, we're not growing personally. We don't have personal growth in there yet. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, volunteer at the church. We don't have that yet. Uh, personal health, because it's nice to be healthy. And then here's a big one that's not in there yet, time with family. That's amazing. Because we're only able to cram so many things in the available time that we have. Right? Is there any change you want to make to this? Can I quit my job? Quit your job? (laughs) That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome right there. So Scott wins the lottery, everything changes, right? And that's the dream a lot of us have. If we can hit it big, if we can hit it big, then we have that life one day. One day we'll have the life that we want after we retire, after the family member dies and leaves us like about four or five, six hundred thousand dollars. We get all that. We look that one day, one, one day kind of thing. But practically our lives look like this so many times. We're figuring out ways to cram all this stuff in. Now, what if I said there was a different way you could do this? And maybe doing it a different way, we got a shot at getting all of these things that would matter to somebody that loves God and wants to do what he's called them to do, has to work, has a family, and has a job, can all accomplish. Try (laughs) Be my guest, right? Be my guest. All right, let me show you a different way to do this. Um, First... You start with your 168 hours in your work week or your week that everybody has. This time, we're going to put the priorities in first. And we're not going to put all the distractions in. Are you following me? All right. So, Scott, you've got an empty container to put all the priorities in. What are you going to put in your life this week? Boom. Yeah, you put them in there. Time with God automatically. Boom. Time for rest. You're going to get to take a nap, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Volunteering at church, it's all right there. It's all fitting in now. Personal health, now you're going to be healthy. Look at all this stuff. Now you're working. What does that say? Personal growth. Man, now you're able to grow in your skill sets. Now you're making disciples, which is 
making disciples look that's 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 not like extra credit right there that's core curriculum in your walk with god we should be impacting the lives of other people amen should be right there look at all this time with family now you're hanging out with your family and you're able to do all the stuff hobbies and fun so now you're able to get out of the house and have fun when you've had enough time with the family And you're able to go to church. Bro, you got all that stuff in there with room to spare. Now, once we've got all this set and in here, go ahead and see how much of this extra stuff you can get in there. Here come the phone calls. Here come the grocery runs. Here come the emergencies at work. I think that that's laundry right there. Taking the kids to the places. Yep. All these little things that come in. All these little distractions. All the emails. Now let's stop and let's see because we can't go over the top. So we're we're getting there. We're getting there. So we got we got room for just a little bit more. And pour on pour on what you got here. All right, let's see what we got. We're right there, kind of at the top. We got a little bit more. So you know what you do when you're at the top? You take all the stuff that's going over the top. Let's just knock it off. Because time is time. It's set. You're not going to be able to get any extra time, right? But we can choose what we prioritize in our day and in our week. Are you following me? Now look at this. We weren't able to get all the extra stuff in there. But we were able to get a junk load of it in there, weren't we? We were able to get a lot of it in there. And you're able to do everything that's important to you in your life. Because you put it in first. You set it first. And then all the other stuff that had to be done just landed where it needed to land. And all the stuff that you can't handle this week carries over to accomplish next week. You realize your life doesn't end because you can't get laundry done. Life doesn't end because the house isn't clean. Not everything that your friends say are emergencies in their lives are emergencies in their life. You get to choose what's an emergency in your life. Amen? You get the choice. You have the power. You get to choose that. Let's give Scott a hand for helping us out here. Bro, good job. Thank you. He's able to get all of that in the bucket... And handle most of the stuff. You know what didn't make it in there? Most of the time, it's other people's agendas for our lives. Other people's pressures and distractions. The plans that other people have for our lives don't make it in there. But when we put first things first, listen to me, guys. I know this may seem far-fetched, but I'm telling you, if you put what you call priorities in your life, set in stone in your week, immovable, and then let your week build itself around what you already have set as a priority, you're going to find freedom. You're going to find time to do the things that you wish you could do. And all those distractions and all that junk that pulls you away from what you feel like you can never get to and you want to do, all of that stuff is just going to slide right off the top. Are you hearing me? Is this hitting home? Does this make sense? You realize this isn't a new concept. This isn't a new concept. 
Jesus came up with this way before Covey did. Matthew 6, 33, it says this. It says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you as well. If we put God first, we put God first with our finances, we put God first with, with our family, if we put God first with everything that we decide to do with our lives, then we'll be able to get in all the things that are important and all the priorities that God has set for our lives. We'll get it, and all the other stuff, we can get in there too. See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? We don't have a time issue. I'm so sick of hearing people say, I don't have time for that. What you're saying is, that's not a priority to me, and I'm not going to do it. That's what you're saying. Well, I would like to be involved in ministry, but I don't have time. What's God called you to do? See what I'm saying? I'm going to meddle just a little bit. I'll meddle just a little bit. I'd like to be able to do that, but I don't have time. I wish I could be at church on Wednesdays, but I don't have time. I wish I could be at church more often than once every six or eight weeks, but I don't have time. See, this is the trap, and this is the lie that we fall into. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, because I've said that before in my life, too. I get that. What I'm trying to do is show you a correct and proper way to approach your life from today on out. Okay? I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm just saying sometimes we just need to stop and look at things and figure out how God intended for them to actually work so that we don't get caught up chasing little things and miss the big things in our lives. Jesus said a little bit of yeast works its way through the batch of dough. So little foxes that spoil the vine. So little things that come in there. All these little distractions eat up our time and keep us from doing what we know God has called us to do. Well, I would give financially, but I don't have the money. I don't see it's, if, if we had our priorities set, we would put God first with our finances. And a lot of times we can't give because we made bad decisions and we're in debt and we don't have the extra money because we're having to deal with all the stuff. I get that. But we're never going to be in a place where we're, we're doing things biblically correct if we don't put the biblically correct things first. Hear what I'm saying? Parents, I know every one of you wants the best for your child. I know every one of you would say you want your child to go to heaven. You don't want your child to go to hell. You want your child to go to heaven. And you say, I, would, I want my child to be able to accomplish all the hopes and the dreams and everything. Any, everything that God's put inside of them, I want to be able to see them live that out and operate in that in their lives. I want them to be successful spiritually, and I want them to be successful in life. But how many times do we say we don't have enough time to get them to the youth group that's going to help form their spiritual outlook on life? You know what I mean? How many times do we fail to get them to the church that's going to pour into them? And I'm not just talking about Life Point Church. That's not it. I'm talking in general. These are problems that people face, not just here, but in America. This is what we're looking at right now. Our culture is so busy. I don't know how many pastor friends I talk to that say, we could do so much more as a church. We could reach so many more people, but the people that come to our church are too busy to do anything to reach the community. Now, whose trap does that sound like? That's the devil all day long. That's the devil all day long. 
and the frustration that you feel and the aggravation that you feel, spiritual stuff aside, all, all the, the conflict that we feel inside with the stuff that we want to get to and the things that we want to accomplish and the people that we want to be and the marriage that we want to have and the peace that we want to see in our lives, all of that hinges on our ability to manage the decisions, to have the priorities that we say we want to have in our lives. Peace, in a real way, hinges on our ability to walk out and manage the decisions that we say, to walk out and manage these priorities that we say we want to have in our lives. We manage the decision to put them there. That's where it all is, right there. Now, this is a simple truth. But this is, this is about as real and as powerful as it gets. Because this is one of the biggest traps that Satan gets people with in their walk with God. If he can get you busy doing little stuff, if he can get you busy, distracted, chasing, pressured, doing this, doing that, doing everything but what you desire to do, what God has put in your heart to do, well, man, now he's done what he does best. He's stolen your priorities. He steals. He's killed that dream that's inside of you. And he's destroyed every opportunity for God to do something powerful through your life while you're caught in that little vortex. Still kill and destroy. Now I know what we talked about this morning could represent a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But it all comes down to the same issue. Do the priorities that we say we have in our lives, do they play out in our lives on a weekly basis? where we manage and we stay on top of it and we have them in place as the pillar that we build the rest of our lives on? Or are they intellectual, kind of theoretic things that we agree with but never actually see them as solid priorities in our lives? Now, I get we got to work. Work takes up a lot of time. I get that. But ultimately, we get to choose what kind of job we have. We get to choose that. Um, I know you got to work. But you still got control over the time that you have after work. Now, I'm not saying go sign up for a ministry. And I'm not saying give everything that you got or anything like that. What I'm saying is let's look at all of these areas and look at all of these things that we say are important to us as people of God. At the beginning of this year, in the middle of this series called Resolutions, let's put on the brakes and think about this. Because all of the stuff we say we want to do as a church to reach our community, all the stuff we say we want God to do in and through our lives, all of that stuff is great, but if it's just up here and it's just a philosophy that we agree with but never plays out in our lives, we aren't going to accomplish anything for the kingdom of God. And people are going to die and they're going to go to hell when we could have reached them. And we're never going to accomplish the, the goal and the dream that God's put in our hearts if it's not a reality in what we do on a weekly basis. Make sense? So in a way, while this is a very simple thing to talk about, this is one of the most powerful things that you're ever going to decide to do in your life. Whether or not this is actually going to be something real that you put in your life or just something that you agree with and show up and clap to every week. This is where this becomes real in your life or it's just church might as well be a movie that you go to because it's cool for a little bit and you get out and then you get on with your real life after that. This is not how God intended for it to be. Because you're the church. Not this building. And who you reach is who LifePoint reaches. Not necessarily the people that come in here. 
God can still impact lives, but we're supposed to impact lives outside those doors. And we can't do that and be the people that God has called us to be if we don't make sure that we're putting first things first. Take control of our lives. You know, you can take control of your life. I want you to leave here this morning not feeling guilted. I want you to feel here this, leave here this morning feeling like you can have control of your life because you really can. You really can. And if a guy like Covey can teach it in seminars and have people walk out and go, wow, that changed my life. Tell me how much more opportunity we have as people of God in applying the spiritual principle of Matthew 6.33 and putting him first and then letting everything else take care of itself like he said it would. How much more important, how much more powerful, how much more realistic is it in a setting like we have today? Amen? If you will, stand to your feet. Bow your heads and close your eyes. No one looking around.